0: Welcome to conversations about life. Well, thanks, Jennifer and Stuart, for uh, getting together with me for this conversation. Welcome to conversations about life. And so, it seems like you guys have had a busy day with guests over and enjoying your Sunday afternoon. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, so, uh, Stuart um, and Jennifer, like we know each other from our church. And, um, and then, Stuart, you're from around here. <clears throat> I am. Grew up in this area. Mm-hmm. And then Jennifer... It's not
2: up... from around here. <laughs> it's what? She's not from around She's here. She's not from around here. You're from Bolivia, right?
1: Yep, that's right.
0: You grew up with missionary parents?
1: Um, so, my grandparents were missionaries. So, my, my dad was a missionary kid um, and okay. then just stayed in the area. Oh, wow. Um, he was actually born in Peru and um, moved to Bolivia, I think, when he was 18. And he just, okay. that was home, and that's where he stayed, so.
0: And then he, um, when did he, I guess he moved back to the States then? After
1: yes, a... so he's been in the States about, um, I want to say, 12 years or so. Okay. Um, he actually moved here after after I did. And my brothers have moved here too, so he decided to follow all his kids, and and he's here now. But he um, he lived in in Bolivia most of his life, and of course met my mom there and got married, and yeah, just worked. And
0: so you still have a lot of family in Bolivia, then? Yeah. So side?
1: all of all of my mom's side is is there. All my aunts and uncles, and all my cousins that I grew up with. You know, we we're real real close. Um, are still. We're still there.
0: And then did you say you were there until you were 18?
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah.
0: And um and then you came back on your own. Was it for school or
1: I so my brother had moved up, both of my brothers had moved to the States and um one of my brothers ended up moving to Jefferson County through a friend, um, actually, and um and so my dad said if you're moving to a different country you have to move where your brother is <laughs> which is how I ended up in Jefferson County, um, of all places. And, um, yeah, I went to Jeffco and got my associates there. And
0: So, so where you met Stuart?
1: I met Stuart through church. We, okay. um, we're going to the same church. My brother, he was good friends with my brother and you know, they were video game buddies. Okay. Um,
2: and And music, there was and some music it, in there somewhere too
1: they they were a church band together, mm-hmm. and things like that, so they were hanging out, and that's kind of how i I mean, I had met Stuart before, um just you know coming up to visit my brother, um but we hadn't really connected or anything yeah. that came along later
0: and um so were you familiar with the states before you moved up here like were had have you done- plenty of visiting to the United States and grew up kind of familiar with it?
1: yeah, so I had been to the states probably about four times um throughout you know the different years um I think my first time was when I was four or five okay um you know my my grandparents had by then moved back to the to the u s and so we would come visit every few years,
0: okay, so it wasn't like a culture shock or anything would you? Decided to come to the United States and live? Huh?
1: Not, not totally. I kind of knew what to expect, but it was still a little, a little bit of a culture shock. Um, obviously, not as bad as somebody moving for the first time, not knowing the language or anything. I knew the language and most of the customs through, through my dad and grandparents and stuff. But um, there were still a lot of things to get used to, <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, well, that's really cool. Um, like if there's um like any main thing that kind of stands out is like how uh, people in the United States are different than Bolivians, what would that be?
1: Um, I would have to say, just culturally um, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but the American culture is just a lot colder. Um, in Bolivia, we're known for being very open to everybody and just very accepting and um, you're instant friends with everybody you oh, know really? everybody hugs you and gives you a kiss on the cheek and it's just a lot warmer um, personalities I guess it kind of goes with the climate <laughs> Okay, you know warmer climate <laughs> right. they say um, just warmer culture um, especially the city I come from it's it's known as the hospitality place you know it's where everybody's nice to you and Maybe not always kind, but definitely make you feel at home
0: okay, so not necess- not always kind is it like um insincere niceness or what what is what do you mean by it, it can
1: be yeah, okay. um you know a lot of times people will be really friendly to your face and turn around and say oh. something or um, hmm. maybe not true friendships I mean, just like anywhere you have your real friends and then you have people who might be nice on the outside, but not truly nice, not kind. Um, But I think that was probably the the biggest culture shock to me. Um, And just everything, daily life is is so different. You know, here, you have to drive to get everywhere. Um, In Bolivia, we would a lot of times just walk. Um, I grew up in a house that was kind of in the suburbs, you could say, um, so we, we did have to drive downtown, but when we were at my grandma's house, it was, you know, walk 10 blocks here, another 12 blocks over there. And it was, that's just normal. <laughs> yeah. So here, everything is such a big distance.
0: Right. It's so. a big, probably populations more condensed there probably. Is yes. that how
1: it is? Yeah. It's a city. I mean, right. it, it would be as if you were living downtown St. Louis, you know, mm-hmm. to go to the store, you can, you can walk there. Right. Whereas... Out here in the suburbs, it's, it's not so much. Right. Well, there's not so much walking.
2: Places to get food on every corner. Yes. In Bolivia. In St. Louis, maybe not so much. but Right. So, have you spent quite a bit of time in Bolivia, like
0: visiting and so forth?
2: We visited uh, together down there in their, what, in 2010? 2010. 2010, mm-hmm. we went down there. Yeah. And it was a, it was a wonderful experience. Um, The first couple of days anyway, Uh, as far as uh, me not getting sick the first couple of days uh, and the rest of it, I did get pretty sick. But it was uh, it was wonderful to be in, you know, there with her family and getting to meet everyone and visiting the the mountains or just 30 minutes away or more, you know, just incredible scenery and the people and the food and
0: did uh, the sickness come from the water?
2: It was a combination of things. I was being a little bit too green and uh, just decided to kind of go for it and eat everything. Mm -hmm.
1: He wanted Uh, to try it all.
2: I I did. (laughs) I wanted to because I thought, well, I'm probably going to get sick anyway. I might as well (laughs) enjoy the food, you know, as much as I can. Now, I I remember exactly where it was. I thought, I should not be eating this. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was like a little bit of. I guess maybe some salad or something that was connected with water that was not uh, good. Missing. And I got I got really sick. I, I really, I just got dehydrated mm-hmm. is what it was because down there when we visited, you couldn't really just drink the tap water. You know, you'd have to go get bottled water. Well, you don't keep bottled water. You keep Coca-Cola. That's what you do. You have so two liters of Coca-Cola <laughs> all the time. Everywhere you go, there's Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more popular than water for sure everywhere we were going. And it seemed like I was drinking that more. Mm-hmm. And that kind of furthered my sickness. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, uh, there were, there were some great stories from that trip. Uh, being able to go to Samaipata and see the, to see the, uh, the mountains there and the, the beautiful scenery. It's like a painting. <laughs> you mm-hmm. look at it and you kind of see some of the paintings that we have over here. Mm-hmm. Just kind of the, uh, um, behind us yeah it just it looks exactly like what we have on the wall here you know very uh, latin looking architecture spanish Spanish influence a lot of columns on the buildings and Mm -hmm. i don't know it's just it was very it was a very uh eye-opening time for sure
0: yeah so anyway kind of flipping over to you Stuart. so you lead the
2: us in singing at our church At Rockport Baptist yeah. <laughs> Church That's right For those people listening in uh, Cucamonga Because <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you have listeners all over the world don't On the conversations about life we got listeners all over I don't know where they are Oh, you don't know where they are Okay, yeah. that's okay, that's
0: okay. Um, and, um, and then you also um, you, you work at a radio station I do and also with marketing with a motorcycle shop.
2: I do so. so. I I have definitely a lot of different interests, yeah. a lot of things I do. Um, yeah, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, one thing. Um, you know, I I notice about you and ad- admire you when uh, you're leading music is be- because you, you seem so naturally talented that it seems like you're you don't have to give much focus on, um doing what you're doing you can give more focus to enjoying it and enjoying the leading in um, the praise and and th- rather than um, I think people who um, maybe are less talented they might have to focus more on making the music and stuff but I also admire how um, you involve a lot of other people a lot of times you're not even up there in the front someone else's leading and that's really cool
2: and we have a lot of a lot of musicians at Rockport, a lot of singers, and um, thirty plus right now. And wow. So to get them all involved, if I had everybody full time on a schedule, I could fit five teams, five different teams, all different band members. That means five drummers, hmm. five bass players, five guitarists, five piano players. Yeah, um, it's incredible what the Lord has blessed us in our church with a lot of musicians and. So I've been uh, I've been really excited to get as many people involved as I as I can.
0: Yeah, cool. Well, here's something just to throw out uh, for discussion if you guys like it, and you can pull the discussion ways you know toward your interests. We'll find. Colin well, you're Brown the host here. here. We'll just
2: we'll follow you, my friend. Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you're the leader. We're following. We're just gonna follow where well, you go.
0: I was listening to, um, oops, a podcast um, earlier today. And this fella, he's um, a French guy, um, Jonathan Pagio. I'm not saying that quite right. But he, um, he carves Greek uh, Orthodox or Eastern Orthodox icons, you know. Okay. So he's an interesting—he uh, was talking about evangelism and apologetics and about how, um, you know, he's been through the phase of knocking on doors and— um, you know, sharing the plan of salvation and stuff and all of that. But he, um, I guess it kind of left a bad taste in his mouth somewhat. Um, He, um, now he, what he would like to do is just to show people how beautiful Jesus is and the Christian story, Um, you know, just, um, well, I brought like one of his drawings and uh, we were looking at it beforehand, and it's got, you know, the drawing has like a story in it, and it's really complex, but, um, there is something compelling and beautiful about the, um, the whole, um, Christian, um, just the way it all fits together, and the, and so much of the things that we appreciate come from it, like, um... Archetypical stories and stuff, like uh, overcoming something for the week or um, taking risk and stuff like that. you know so anyway, mm-hmm. I thought maybe we would talk about beauty and and that type of thing. Um, so that's kind of the topic to start with, if you guys like it. Um, what um,
2: you know what do you find beautiful? Um,
0: yeah, so.
2: Is that a general question, or in the particular no not in not in particular oh to but, these icons, but
0: yeah no, because um there's so there's one way to kind of consider what well, jesus what what do I find beautiful in jesus um, and uh, so that's one question and that's that's worth pursuing mm-hmm. but then there's also you know what do I so I'm just, I'm just kinda curious, I haven't thought this through. Like if I was just to consider what is really the most beautiful thing I can find in the world, would that lead me a pearl back? of great price? Is that would that lead me is back that? Where, is that where you're looking for? Um well, I'm not looking for anything in particular. I'm just <laughs> right. Yeah.
2: A pearl of great price. Mm-hmm. And that that from of course a parable of, of Jesus. Yeah. Um Talking about the most beautiful thing that we could find on this earth? Right, I see what you mean. Okay, I right. was trying to connect some dots there for you. Sorry. Sure. I appreciate that. I think Jennifer might have something.
1: I'm working on it. Okay, I sure. had just read something um, yesterday in this book that um, Pastor Scott had recommended a couple times um, by, Gentle, or by Dane Ortland, named Gentle and Lowly. And I'm trying to find... There was something that kind of stood out to me, but I can let you talk while I look for it. <laughs> okay.
2: Well, if you find it, mention it. Um, I don't know. I guess uh, I don't really sit and dwell on things to consider their beauty a whole lot. Uh, maybe yeah. that's a downfall of mine, except for my wife, but that's another conversation. All fair. Uh... <laughs>
0: well, I mean, there might be something there. To, uh...
2: Well, there's just something there. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, um, yeah. I think I think that um, you know, there 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 comes times where you sit down and you do um, you look at God's creation and you do see Christ and and everything that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, today we sat down to eat brats mm-hmm. on the back deck, and I thought I just had that overwhelming feeling of thank you, Lord, for this day and just the fact that we. Can sit here and enjoy, um, you know, the fresh air and the uh, the sun being out, and it just seemed like a long time since we've been able to do that. Sit down and just relax. Right. Yeah. And um, and there there are beauty in those small little things too. You know those right. those things. Um. But uh, <laughs> don't mind the background noise. Our dog might be uh. adding some. Some sound effects for your podcast. That's fine. We'll just we'll
0: consider him a dragon, like yeah. you know, in the background. <laughs> there you go.
2: He's
1: part of he's the beauty dragon. of our life.
0: He's is a part of her. He's our yeah. new dog. Right. <laughs> what
1: is his deal? He's growling yeah. for attention. I, I guess, guess so. so. Stop it.
0: You were mentioning your wife and um, like the marital relationship. Uh-huh. You know, you would. Th- I think most people would look at that and think that's something beautiful. Yes. Or um, companionship. You know, you're mentioning your dog. But um, did you, were you going to say something? Or?
1: Yeah. So this is something that um, I was out yesterday enjoying another beautiful day um, during baby's nap time, and just kind of read this um, paragraph. I'll try to sum it up as best as I can, um, where you know we are told that um, our as as believers, our yoke is easy um and what that really means um it doesn't mean a life free of pain or hardship um because we all know as believers that we still have to suffer through things um but how in in other places in the bible the the word that's used here easy for easy is kind so our yoke is kind we have the yoke of kindness and what that means, like, our burden is to be kind <laughs> and to love others. Um, I just thought that I've never seen it that way. Um, you know, how in Ephesians 4.32, it says, Be kind to one another, tender hearted. That's the command we're given. Um, so, you know, I, here, I'll just read it. A yoke is the heavy crossbar laid on oxen to force them to drag farming equipment through the field. Jesus is using a kind of irony saying that the yoke laid on his disciples is a non-yoke for it is a yoke of kindness. Who could resist this? So we're we're burdened with being kind and loving towards our neighbors. And I just think that's so that's beautiful to me that that the thing that we're commanded isn't isn't hard <laughs> like it shouldn't be as believers because we've been loved that we should be able to easily love our neighbors, um, even if they are difficult, you know, we were just kind of discussing that with our friends that were here. How maybe sometimes our neighbors do things we don't particularly like, <laughs> but our our yoke that we've been given is to to be kind and, and love them.
0: So. so that's that's interesting. That's a different way of viewing those verses mm-hmm. than I've looked at it before. Um, but I have thought about those verses recently in contrast to a couple of chapters earlier where Jesus says, um, the road is hard, you know, that leads mm-hmm. to life. So there you got um, something hard, you know, and then you have a couple of chapters later and the yoke is easy, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like uh
1: And yet it's not contradicting itself.
0: I don't think so. Um, maybe it, I don't know if paradox would be kind of the right word. <laughs> What, would it or not? No,
2: no. Okay, uh, no. I don't think so. I, I think just because there might be a, an inconsistency, I don't think it would be a paradox. But I think, um, you know, what, I think what, both of um, those can be similar. What,
0: what does paradox mean? I might well,
2: maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking of the wrong term as well. Um, I've just thought it would meant um, something that you are uh, your. I can't think of what it would mean. I guess in this context,
0: we'll we'll just skip it. Um, Okay. (laughs) I thought that um, maybe it's like um, can be both at the same time, Mm -hmm. Um, and um, like because it's like a real full
2: thing that you can't like just grasp in a simple way. Yeah, I was thinking. I was kind of thinking of ones you're you're trying to be for and against something at the same time is what I was kind of leading okay. to in the in the definition is trying to be mm-hmm. for something and against it at the same time would be a paradox. Okay. Well, I, I think mean, it kind of
1: goes one. back to what he's saying here. So he he goes on to say like the yoke of kindness is what we're given. It's like a telling a drowning man, here take a life preserver, and he says, "No way, that's going to weigh me that's more stuff I have to put on myself. It's going to weigh me down." Not realizing like that's what's going to lift you up and and save you it seems like an oxymoron, but because you're, you know, you're talking about taking more stuff on and yet that's the stuff that's going right. to hold you up.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can, I, I guess I can see the hard part of the Christian life. Like if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's basically um, denying yourself it's denying your pride. You know, there's a lot of stuff about humility in there, about loving not just your friends, loving your enemies. It's kind of like giving up yourself. So that can be um, hard. Um, and yet, his commandments are not um, hard in another sense, I guess. Well, I can see how they could be so satisfying at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, that's kind of how I think of, well, you take on this yoke. Of serving Jesus, and you experience His grace, His love, His help, and it's through His strength that you know we we live these things out. But that might be kind of thinking about that verse a little bit differently than what you're thinking of. Like you're, um, you know, uh, it, it, as far as seeing the word there as easy that. So that kind of adds another dimension into mm-hmm. it too, perhaps. But
1: anyway, yeah, I mean, we can definitely say that. I think for most of us, our Christian life has been fairly easy compared to, you know, the early church or people in other countries that obviously can't say, hey, my life is super easy, you know. Um, But I think they would still say that knowing that you're in Christ is easier than knowing you're condemned to hell. Um, So it's it's like saying opposites— at the same time, I don't, I don't know how to explain that. That
0: Like being a slave to Christ is being free?
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Like even though your life is harder, you still have hope that nobody else, you know, people that aren't saved, they don't have that hope.
0: Yeah. And besides just future, hope for something in the future, you have something that truly satisfies your soul in right. the present. Um, kind of like uh, giving away... Might add more to you than getting, you know. Yes, I don't know, absolutely. I guess, so, there, I guess there's different ways we could look at that that are kind of similar. Um, you know, something, um, well, anyway, anything else on this particular topic before we just kind of cr- cruise right along? Okay, okay,
1: I, th- I think that's all I have.
0: <laughs> okay, um, well. Something I've seen, um, and you before, Jennifer. We were at D group together, home, house group, home group for people who don't know what D group. Mean. It's
2: not familiar with the term. C group, A B C D E F G group. That's what sometimes I call it because I can't remember which letter we're using now. But yeah, home groups, Bible study, whatever.
0: Right, Same and um, that's Peggy's passed on now. But at the time, she was alive, an elderly couple her and Herman and I remember you um coming over to her you know it was after things were done and you sat down kind of on the floor there beside her and Herman and we're just kind of looking up at them talking and just in a real warm way and I is that something that um you know just um your warmth toward um other people that come from like maybe the culture you grew up in or you Um, the respect you have toward elders or anything like that or is there anything to that or is just
1: um i i have a i think a natural attraction to older people i just um i think there's so much to learn there's so much wisdom there um peggy was just one of those ladies that was just so sweet and and wise and um always had good encouragement and I just always have appreciated that. And I've, I I think maybe it is a cultural thing. Um, maybe not so much country's culture, but the way I was raised in my family of honoring older people and just being vigilant of people's needs. You know, I've always been taught that if you see an elderly person in Walmart, they can't reach something. You run over there and you, you ask if you can help. Um, I think just in general, I tend to be kind of hypervigilant for other people's needs. Okay. But I also just really appreciate what other people can pour into me um, that have had completely different experiences in life than I have. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I know, like, I can go to an older person that has older children and say, hey, I'm struggling with this what should I do, you know, and, and they might not tell me what to do, but they can encourage me and say, keep going, keep, keep at it. You know, um, Mm -hmm. just sometimes it's more of a selfish thing of, all right, what can I, what can I learn? And what can I get from, from this relationship too? So.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, any particular people come in mind as far as like people who've made an impact on your life?
1: Oh man. So many. I mean, I think Rockport as a whole Mm -hmm. has been a big impact, but, um, I think lately just observing the mothers at Rockport that have older kids and like, I think of Stephanie Tompkins. I think of Tanetta Chastain. Like I see Tanetta and I think, that woman is wise. Like she and and she wants to reach out to people and she wants to um help others help others, if that makes sense. Mm. Um I mean I could name all the women at Rockport. I can name your wife, Susan, you know, like just watching her be a grandmother and um with her now grown up kids. Um I could go on and on.
0: <laughs> hey, what brought you guys to Rockport, by the way?
1: <clears throat> you can take this one.
2: Um, sure. Uh, let's see. Uh, t- 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 trying to peel back time here a little bit in my mind. Um, well, we had uh, been going to a church um, since we had gotten married, the church we had met at previously, uh, Eagle Point Community Church is what it was called, okay. at Callahan. Uh, And they now have a church called Encounter Church, which is just across the old ITT Tech building, the big, huge building over there. They have that. So we were connected with them, and then we left there um, in search for a church. Um, And we wanted something um, like what we were at, but not what was there. (laughs) It was just kind of a strange time for us in our search for a church. So we searched for two years. Um, looking around and discovering what we believe and why we believe it in that two year period. And it really led us to, uh, appreciate the small things. Um, when we first came to Rockport, um, we were visiting cause I knew Groat and the groats. Um, I knew them from first Baptist Arnold when I grew up and I knew you there too, actually from first Arnold. <laughs> right. Uh, I, m- I remember, uh, um, your son, Billy Jackson, you know, we used to kind of run around all the time at First bat of Zarno when we were kids. So when I saw you there as well, I was like, oh, there's more people I might know. Um, Brady Harden, that was another name, another reason when we came. Mm-hmm. I saw that he was going to Rockport. And um,
1: Jeremy, Greasy too. Jeremy
2: Greasy, he was going there as well. And I had known him a previous association with him as well. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, I knew him too before coming to Rockport and so we were coming out of a church that you know uh from our eyes were using money um in big ways and that we didn't really like you know they can they can do what they want with their money but there were things they were doing that we didn't really appreciate of Mm -hmm. um and uh you know we were young and kind of maybe a little bit hot-headed (laughs) hot-headed to say the least um Mm -hmm. And thought, well, if a church is going to do that, we're going to leave. So we did. And uh, the Lord brought us through that two-year period um, to grow together, I think, more, and uh, to learn about what we believe in Christ and what we believe what Scripture says. We landed at Rockport, and one of the first things that we noticed, or at least I noticed, I went into the bathroom at Rockport. I tell this story a lot, so I'm sure a lot of people have heard this story a lot. Because I noticed it, too. Um, well, you know, well, not anymore, but anyway, I'll finish the story. Uh, <laughs> so I went into the bathroom at Rockport Baptist Church and, um, I noticed the walls and everything in there were, um, just plywood, Playwood. just plywood, not even paint on them, just plywood. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is my church, <laughs> this is the church I want to go to. and the reason I was thinking that I didn't even heard a sermon yet. I just went to the bathroom. Uh, and the reason I was thinking that was because I thought this church wants to put money into their people and into the mission field and they don't have to have a Taj Mahal to do it. And I really appreciated that at the time. That was a big, that was a big issue for us at the time. Maybe not so much anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I still think it's important to put money where it's important and not just everywhere, but, um, anyway well, we had oh, just smarter. we had
1: visited a lot of churches that had like the cute cafe in the front mm-hmm. you know in the front the corridor, hip churches and know. they were kind of hip and um, not that there's anything wrong with that but um, it just seemed like it was all appearances and then you walk into the into the sanctuary and nobody even greets you nobody even says hello so it just uh, from our uh,
2: experience there from, was a lot of places we went to that were Um, Just kind of strange. They had this very awesome facade of welcoming uh, low lights, you know, rock and music, strange sermons. (laughs) We went to a couple like, we are not going back there. That was a weird one. Um, But uh, the Lord brought us to Rockport, and I remember hearing a sermon on, um, it was the... uh, A parable On the uh, The seeds That are are thrown out Into different areas I can't remember the name Of that Particular parable And you might remember But one seed lands On the fertile ground And one seed lands On the the hard ground And one gets Taken away One's put into the, The thorns And the thistles And all of that Um That was our That was our introduction And I was there I was actually visiting Jennifer and Samuel Was our only child At the time Um We uh they were out of town to see family and I came to Rockport I think, wearing gym shorts and a T shirt and some sandals. You know. Just not really thinking about the importance of church and the membership and man, it just the Lord just kinda hooked us. And um for one thing the music was very different with Hmm. man, I never heard any of these songs before. Yeah. Um and that that was very um (laughs) <laughs> it was very beneficial to us to be kind of thrown into that environment of that we saw uh with our own eyes the gospel culture and gospel doctrine mixed and we just we fell in love with that we fell yeah. in love with that but you know we we uh we were very fortunate the Lord put us in that place at that time, and it wouldn't do it any other way you <laughs> know we learned from all those things,
0: yeah. So, um, I think from what I've heard, how I've heard you talk before, like you have, um, you know, like something special in your heart. You know, Jefferson County is kind of special in your heart or something like that. I it is. I guess a way to put it. It is. It's a
2: special place in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Because, um, like you had talked about, um, I don't know if you were talking about a podcast or just on the radio, but talking about, you know, the idea of talking about Jefferson County and stuff like that and i probably just kind of take it for granted a little bit um so what is it about Jefferson County um that appeals to you is it is it really uh something special or is it just that it's home and that you like to make the most
2: of it or or what do you think that's a very good question i think that um i've grown to fall in love with the uh the people um that I've been working around and seeing my whole work career. Mm -hmm. Um, My first job was in radio. Mm -hmm. And I think the romantic side of being on the radio, of getting up early and flipping on the mic and talking to the people of Jefferson County on such a regular basis that it just kind of of grew me in a way to fall in love with the area and the people more. Mm -hmm. And I think my mom and my dad threw that into my mind pretty heavily, too, when I was a child. I mean, my mom was very involved with politics in this county. Actually, was the county clerk. Mm-hmm. Uh, was appointed by Governor Matt Blunt back in, uh, like, oh five or oh mm-hmm. six. So being politically connected, I think that has something to do with it because I walked almost every major subdivision in this county, putting a, uh, a Republican uh, something on somebody's door somewhere mm-hmm. at some point. Um, but... Um, it's I think that there's so there's different aspects of that, and why that is um and it, just knowing all of the plow the the uh the newsmakers I call them mm-hmm. uh in the county and having that influence with people to talk with them about issues and actually come up with solutions and people getting things done and and I don't know i just i i guess I kind of became addicted to it I see <laughs> and I love. Telling people the news—that's something I do on a regular basis still. Um, every Saturday morning, I wake up five five thirty, roll out of bed, and drive five minutes up the high up the hill here, mm-hmm. KJFF Radio fourteen hundred AM, and read the news.
0: Yeah, and that's that was your first job.
2: That was my first ever job. Wow! I got a part-time job doing sports reporting mm-hmm. at night, and. Um, you know, everything I learned about the newsroom happened right there in that little building. Uh, everything about journalism I've ever known pretty much learned out of there. Self taught a lot of things because you just kind of have to learn on the fly. Yeah. So I became news director there um, a few years after I started part time. So I guess when I, when we became pregnant with Samuel back in. 2010 or 11 ish, somewhere in there. 10, yeah. Well, I yeah, I got the full time job there at the radio station, which was was a blessing. It was a blessing because I was only part time there, and uh, growing family, and the Lord just right at the right time. We <laughs> had there was an opening, and I was really wanting it, and I got it. Cool. So yeah. Um, there's a lot more to that stuff. I mean, there's some we could be here all night talking about radio and all those things
0: you know I asked Jennifer
2: what's impacted her as far as people and so forth
0: anything anyone in particular I think
2: I've just had so many people yeah in my life that have I mean it's I there's so many faces that um, I can put in my mind right now that have influenced me over over my lifetime and whether it's uh, encouragement with ministry with music ministry or encouragement with anything at church or You know, maybe a little marriage counseling here and there from someone, uh, not officially, (laughs) just a helpful uh, tidbit. Uh, Friends at church, Uh, connections when I was young. My goodness, Um, there's just so many people that have touched my life here and there that have made me who I am today. And I don't even know who to thank, but the Lord, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Um, there's just so many, there's so many people. Um,
0: any um, for either of you guys any particular books that have really kind of hit your hit you hard as far as like
2: impact have you seen my books I've got (laughs) I've got so many books I don't know there's a lot of what do you think a lot of them um
1: unfortunately I'm more of a fiction reader (laughs) okay I I do pick these types of books you know somebody really recommends it I will try to sit down and read it um yeah. Um I've I've done some Jen Wilkin studies and she seems to always be you know right on the mark.
2: Yeah.
1: Um I mean there there's there's a lot.
2: I don't know. I think Romans. <laughs> as far as a book of the Bible if we're going to pick one, I think that's the one that really blew my mind up back in uh I don't know. 2011, 12 somewhere in there before we came to Rockport. It just Hmm. Scripture was just, you know, uh, just not, it's just all the things I had learned when I was younger were being applied, mm-hmm. were being applied in life, um, seeing that the providence of God, and it's, it's, um, I've always believed in the providence of God, I've always believed that He is in control, and um, when, you know, you read through Romans, it's... You know, almost for the first time again, I guess you see it again in a different light. Um, and that's that's the good thing about commentaries and so many different authors from history and things. They can help you see things that you're not either able to see or, you know, willing to see or can't see or whatever the case may be. And they could just open it right up and, and show you this, this whole different path to uh, what you're looking at.
0: Any particular part of Romans? That,
2: I mean, eight and nine. Eight and nine. They okay. stick out in my mind. I think uh, fifteen comes into mind a little bit too. Just talking about hope. Actually, that's one of the main verses for the conference coming up at GBC mm-hmm. uh, this year. But um, so nine is the um, Romans pre- Road, I think. Right?
0: I thought nine was the predestination. Oh, the predestination. Well, like, eight twenty-eight uh, is
2: predestination too. Okay. So it's in eight. They're both eight. They're connected. But election is mentioned. In eight and nine, I okay.
0: guess. It's nine where uh, like Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. Is that, that yes. passage? In yes. There? Okay. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, and it's just pointing it to old testament scripture and uh, I mean it's it's very clear. It's yeah. very clear. Now I think Jennifer, for you, I, I don't know, Charles Dickens has been one of your favorites New as sketch. far as just being able to fiction. open up your mind and see things that you would not normally see. I think that's a that's a I mean, sign yeah, of a good writer
1: as, as, as far as fiction goes i i just enjoy being able to live through somebody else's yeah. experience or i read you know, a lot just of
2: inter, books for entertainment too yes. you know we have there's a lot of different books um
1: but yeah i would say he's probably my favorite yeah um well when
0: it comes to um you know interacting with other christians and um like fellowship or, um, you know, we're supposed to be, um, ideally we're building one another up. So we're building up each other in Christ. What's your, um, mode of doing that, that just, um, means the most to you. For example, um, I'm kind of more of a one-on-one talking with someone over coffee type of person. We can tell. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) I don't know, you might be more of like the music and everything, or mm-hmm. some people it's litur- liturgy. I think I have a son, and he would probably say being out on the soccer field with people is the way he wants to connect with people. And mm-hmm. so, is there any particular. Is that Billy? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Is there any particular way that, um, you know, you enjoy connecting with people, especially other Christians, um, in a way that's mutually beneficial and means the most to you
1: um i mean i think we we both really enjoy like today you know just having somebody over and Mm -hmm. um i think just getting to know each other even if it's not a deep theological conversation just talking about life or conversations about life Um, weird that's funny (laughs) conversations about life um (laughs) Just getting to know each other and then, you know, once you, you know somebody a little bit more, just like there, there are certain young mothers that I get together with that we can just kind of bounce things off each other. You know, maybe they have younger kids and they can say, well, did your son go through this when he was three? It's like, yes, you know, those things are normal <laughs> Um, or, or I, I do that, you know, if somebody has older kids, I say, Hey, this is happening. How do I deal with this? Um, you know, we're a homeschool family, so just spending time over that, and mm-hmm. or even even if you're not a homeschool family, we all our kids do school, and it's hard whether they do it at home or if they go to public or private school. Um, so I think just getting to know each other. I hmm. I also yeah. love the. I mean, coffee. I can always do coffee. <laughs> yeah. um, I was just thinking about coffee, actually. (laughs) Um, I was thinking I should put the kettle on, but that'll Uh make noise. So um, just getting together. I I really wish I could get together with ladies more often. It's hard when you have kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm a stay-at-home mom, so I don't really have a whole lot of babysitters. I mean, my mom is awesome about if I ask her to watch the kids, but it is a 30-minute drive, so... Hmm. It's a little yeah. hard to drop. Them. And, and a lot of my friends live around here. So it's, you know, drive 30 minutes, drop them off, come back here. Yeah, it, It's a little difficult. Um, I think a lot of us struggle with that. I know other women struggle with, um, with finding connections. Hmm. Um, so I think that's important, especially to stay-at-home moms. Just being able to find somebody. To spend time with somebody to um, might be connect because it, it, being a mom sometimes gets lonely. We're <laughs> around yeah. kids all day long,
0: <laughs> right? So just relationships, getting to know people, yes. and growing those relationships yes, and stuff. Definitely,
1: like that. yeah. Because I mean, our our daily walk with Christ is a daily walk, and sometimes it's in the mundane, you know, feeding kids breakfast and giving babies baths and those things, you know, it's, we're pouring into our children and it sometimes feels like everything's pouring out of us and nothing's pouring in. Mm -hmm. So just being there for other, other women. Yeah.
0: What about yourself? Stuart?
2: Yeah, I think, um, with, uh, being in music ministry this long now for seven or eight years now, Mm -hmm. it's been a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, I've really... Uh, the Lord's been willing a passion in me to discuss worship with other people, and specifically pastors or music leaders in other churches, even in Jefferson County. So over the years, uh, this past two or three years, I've tried to meet with one Jefferson County pastor, um, you know, on a regular basis to talk with them about worship, their liturgy in their church, how if there's any. Encouragement I can offer to them, even young pastors or older pastors who sometimes, um, you know, they they get discouraged. Uh, especially worship wars happen. I mean, it just it's a thing. Um, that's one thing that Rockport's been blessed to to not have. Is there any wars about preference of song? Do you have something to say, Drake? He's always got something to say. He's growling at me over here. Um, yeah, that's something that I've really grown to just enjoy, sitting down, talking with pastors about worship, and to see their answers when I actually ask them. Because the reason they're usually meeting with me is because we have so many musicians at Rockport that uh, part of the ministry that I've started at Rockport is to be able to send out teams to other churches that need music. Mm Um We've done a few churches in Jefferson County, and it's growing a little bit as more people hear about it. Um, Stuart Dace is the pastor at uh, Starling Road Baptist, which is now Exchange Church. They rebranded, I think, last year sometime. Um, but he, he coined the phrase, worship supply. Uh, he needed a worship leader there for a little while. Hey, worship supply needed. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of stuck uh, with me, and I thought, that is just that is a wonderful picture of sending out the gospel and being able to send out our members to other churches that are in need. They need help, we can help. We can do it. So that that's kind of where the conversation started with pastors first. They come to me saying, our piano player is not cooperating. My I had to fire my worship leader. All of these different scenarios that have been thrown at me. And
1: people being on vacation even if it's just sometimes, like a week, one week thing
2: Yep. sometimes somebody's just on vacation and they need rest um, one of the greatest things that you can learn as someone in ministry is that they need rest they need encouragement and so sometimes they need to go away <laughs> for a week mm-hmm. and um, take a break and that's something that our music teams at Rockport can offer because um, they need it bad there's a lot of churches that need it uh, so- so what do you mean by worship? Yeah, that's that's a question I ask them, actually, okay. uh, which is very fun, because I get all kinds of different answers. Because I, I say, okay, they come to me, I need this band that we need to fill in, and if you can help, and I'm like, whoa, 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 time out, slow down. What is worship? Mm-hmm. And we just have a wonderful conversation back and forth, what it is and how it's applied. And I think um, the s- most simplest definition I've ever heard in my whole life was from Don Whitney, um, he wrote a little book called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. It's a great little book. Um, and I think there's only like two pages on worship in the whole thing. Hmm. So, I mean, it's a real blip on the radar there. Mm-hmm. But um, it says that worship is simply focusing on God and responding to God. Hmm. In its essence, in when you when you tear it all down, um, that, that's what it is. Okay. And in every walk of life, in every part of life, it's about focusing on God and responding to Him. And there's many ways to focus on Him. There's many ways to respond to Him. So from there, you can branch out and start discovering all these things on what you do uh, to focus on Him and how to respond. And um, that happens in our liturgies in our churches. It happens in our daily liturgies in our homes. Um, when we wake up and we read our Bible or when we pray together or when we have family worship or those things, um, all of those things are elements of focusing and responding to God. Is and there
0: anything that's not worshipped then in the Christian's life?
2: I don't think so. <laughs> I think every bit of it should be um, for the glory of the Lord. That okay. should be done unto the Lord.
1: I think anything not done in for the Lord, you know, as far as we can stand up and sing in church and it not be worship if we're getting on stage to show how wonderful our voice is, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) to, you know, that's not worship. That's look at me. Mm -hmm. It's a talent show. So, (laughs) which I think some churches in our experience have done, you know, somebody, well, that guy's a wonderful guitarist. He's, he doesn't even claim to be a believer, but Mm -hmm. he's great on guitar. So let's throw him up there. Mm.
2: Right. Yeah, there are, and there are situa- situations to where, uh, you know, I've been connected with youth groups that throw youth kids up there, um, and so those discussions, I think, I, I it's a case by case basis on mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, uh, when it comes to uh, how you're allowing people to be on, like at, at Rockport, to get on the platform to be helping with worship at all, uh, as far as the music aspect of it, um, you have to be a member of the church. And that's, that's, a, that's a big part of it because that's, that's the uh, protection for our members in our church to say that the people that are here, um, they are, they're members, which means they're saved, they're baptized, they're professing believers, they're connected with their groups, they're connected with our church, they're good, in good standing. Uh, and those things are those things are important. So those are things I talk to pastors about too. Like is everybody on your team saved and baptized? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Let's let's make sure that's that's happening or make sure those things. So it's just kind of like a, a um uh I guess there's a ditch on either side of the road and we're just trying to trying to kind of keep them uh, on just that focusing and responding road <laughs> uh for that. But uh yeah, so that's something I've become really passionate about the last last couple of years is and 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 hearing what uh, other people are doing in their churches, and not so much to come into their church and say, "Well, we're just going to make it rockport
0: mm-hmm.
2: now, that's like the worst thing we could do because their congregation isn't rockport. it may never be the loud singing and you know uh the all the different songs and hymns that we do uh, we sing hundred and fifty different hymns or songs a year at rockport out fifty two wow. weeks that's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot to put on a congregation and I push our congregation to sing just about anything, you know, there's all kinds of different hymns out there. And the reason is because they can I, I believe they can do it. You know, we've got uh, a wonderful singing church mm-hmm. and that culture was already built before I got there at Rockport anyway. Mm-hmm. So we're just expanding it. It's like hey We
1: definitely have a, a church that loves to sing. Yeah. I mean you could you could almost do without the instruments and it's still whoa, just well yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. okay
1: i mean i'm not <laughs> saying you just, should i'm just saying now you're you just could. just <laughs> crazy
2: you presbyterian <laughs> get rid of them drums you're starting to sound like my grandma i didn't Come say on. get rid of the drums i said you, you said could and still be just as loud i know they you're right they would be you would be just as loud
0: yeah what's an interesting um way of thinking of worship it was like um seeing and responding to god is that what mm-hmm. you said focusing on god and Focus. responding to god okay cuz um like uh there's different you know original words that are translated as, as worship and the most common one proskuneo, maybe i'm pronouncing oh, it right yeah. maybe i'm not um means to like um just literally get down on your face before yeah, someone
2: yeah like um um i've almost seen it i think one theologian put it like you're just throwing yourself into a ditch as low as you can go, not even level with the ground. You're like, you're so low <laughs> yeah. in, in worship uh, towards that object. Right.
0: So that's, and that is a response. That, that's a response. Right, yeah. That's
2: not so much the focus. Um, so the focus would be God. Yeah. That would be our focus. And our, our response is prayer, praise, sharing, sharing about Christ uh, talking to other people about Jesus talking to other people about God in general their knowledge about God that is worship because it's focusing on God yeah and so like um in every aspect of where we are uh can be can be worship <laughs> um
0: yeah there is like um I I've recently been reading in Matthew and every once in a while it's like kind of hazy but something about the complexity of it and the beauty getting back to beauty again mm. of it just kind of hits me and um it's like I want to grasp it better I want to you know respond to it in some way um so it's almost like maybe what I'm experiencing is like the, the desire to worship, but not exactly knowing just how to do it.
2: How to respond.
0: Right. Sometimes just taking someone else's words just isn't super meaningful to me. Maybe I haven't given those words enough thought or something like that. And sometimes there's the desire just to express something or not, you know, express myself somehow.
1: Mm-hmm. But,
2: um. Yeah, and I think a lot of those things can be done um you know by writing notes. That that's a response. Mm, right. Um I mean it's people think oh well it has to be this this intimate worshipful moment. I'm like, well there is an emotional part of it mm-hmm. of course that we know um because reading a a piece of of a hymn that strikes you in such a way that either makes you sad or happy or upset or ashamed Um, those are all responses and they're part of our emotional response and uh, you know we just have to be emotionally honest (laughs) when we're sitting down reading the text Mm -hmm. Uh, not to well up something but to actually focus on it and then respond Um, i think that's that's something that uh, you know i try to teach in our teams too our music teams to be discussing those things and even talking through the hymns. I'm like, does everybody know what every word means in this hymn? Because mm-hmm. sometimes we sing some hymns that are really wordy, right. you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, actually, we don't know this word. Well, let's all go to the dictionary, pull out a Bible, <laughs> open this verse, you know, and then we start talking about it. And that's in in itself, that is also uh, an, a, a, an act of worship as well.
0: Um, for either of you guys, do you have any maxims? In life... Um, Maxims, please define. <laughs> okay. Um, and I might... Hopefully I'm saying the word right or thinking of the right thing. But like some kind of thing that you keep in mind that guides you through life. Like sometimes, um, I don't know, just some kind like of... a hip whole, saying or something? Or rule of life. Or rule of life. Or anything that you've kept in mind Life that...
2: is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> You <laughs> never know what you're gonna get. Forrest Gump. Yep.
0: So um, um, anything like that?
1: I don't know about any like specific sayings or anything. I think we all have little influences. Like I don't know. In in my daily life, I mean my my biggest thing is being a mom. Obviously, that mm-hmm. that is my life. Um, So, um, it's almost like I have my mom over here in my ear kind of whispering, like, this is what you should do (laughs) in this situation, you know, like, because she's a wonderful mom. So, if I want to be like her, what would she do? You know, and I I do a lot of things differently. um, But, so there's just influences, you know, or.
2: (laughs) WWSD. What would she do?
1: (laughs) Or just, you know, my friends that I admire. I can say, well, what would this friend do? Um, I think, I guess if it came down to a saying, or not a saying, but like an idea. Like an idea, yeah. Um, I was actually talking to another Rockport mom recently about um, kids and tantrums. <laughs> because my kids throw a lot of them um how to deal with them and i have by no means perfected this cuz i have a very short fuse when it comes to their tantrums and attitude um as just a way to look at it is i heard somebody say this and it's kind of stuck with me ever since um if a child is you know misbehaving Um, Look at it as they're having trouble. They're not trying to give you trouble, but they're having trouble. They're struggling with trying to figure out how to say something, especially the the little ones. You know, uh, Margaret, she's about two. She doesn't know how to tell me something's bothering her or Mm -hmm. that her sister took her toy or anything like that. So it's going to be a tantrum. I have a five-year-old who's trying to figure out who she is and, you know, she throws tantrums so she's struggling with something i have a 10 year old who might be mad at me for saying this but has an attitude problem so he's he's having trouble um you have a 32 year old who who i'm married to oh yeah that's right (laughs) um no but just i think that has helped me just step back from they're not doing this against me Mm -hmm. um so to not take it personally. Personal, yeah. That's something right. that I think we've
2: both learned a lot, yes. too, over that time.
1: Because I can, I mean, I can pull out the victim card very easily and say, I cooked you a meal and I've done all these things for you, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well.
2: I have failed as a mother.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, the guilt trip card. But instead of doing that, just stepping back and saying, okay, how can I help you figure this out and, and deal with this? and stop rolling your eyes at me because instead of taking it personally, it's something that we should figure out together Mm -hmm. and I can help you with. Yeah. And it's kind of a hard thing to do (laughs) most of the time. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. Anything, any way she put ideas, like any kind of principles or ideas that have, um, you kind of come back to regularly because they're just things you try to keep in mind to help you through life.
2: Um, there are some good ones that have been told to me, but um they all get written down. <laughs> yeah. And I go back to them frequently. I'm not thinking of anything right now that comes off the top of my head, but um seems like there's always good acronyms uh for things and I can't come with it come with come up with any right now. Um but no, there's no like uh one thing I constantly go back to. Um mm-hmm. I can't. I can't really uh, put a finger on it or anything.
0: Okay.
1: Something else. Pretty much, I, I've learned I, nothing. Is
2: what, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is I've learned absolutely nothing. I'm a horrible studier, terrible student. Uh, I am too. It's it's hard for I me try. to remember things. I try really hard. Yeah. Um But yeah.
1: So I something else. I mean, it's in the Bible. It's pretty common, like something, 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 but God. You know. Yeah. I even I have it on my glasses. Um, imprinted on the side of my glasses because, oh, okay. like everything to me in life, I thought it's you like meant right here in front. No, that would probably be a better place for it, so the I could actually always see right. it. <laughs> um, it just you know, things are my day's not going how I want it to, but God, mm-hmm. you know, there's always that. Right. But God, He's
2: yeah, I think of Joseph big time on that because every time there was something going bad with him. Um, there was a, but God somewhere <laughs> to mm-hmm. bring it back, but God was faithful, but God was there, but God never left him, you know, mm-hmm. all of those things. So it's very, yeah, that's encouraging. And I will add to that story is that, uh, the reason it's on your glasses, cause they had to, they gave her a free imprint thing mm-hmm. you could put on the inside of the glasses. So I'll oh, just put that on there. Yeah. It's a nice little <laughs> reminder. That's a good one. That's good. I will say one thing. I do remember when I was uh, much younger, I was at a church camp, uh, Bates Creek, many, many years ago. Billy Jackson was probably there. (laughs) Uh, I was at one of those when we were younger kids. And um, I remember there was a really good uh, teacher that was at this particular uh, Bates Creek camp. And that um, he was uh, teaching us about um, the Torah, First five books of the Bible and the law, and how the law would the Pharisees would write it down on the little uh, what do they call them, phylacteries or something? That's some Maybe. funny little name. They they right. wrote down a little tiny scroll and then they rolled it up and then they hooked it under one of their tassels or wore it or something, and they would always have the law close to their hearts. It was like this little box or something. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking about that and uh, mm-hmm. earliest portions of that, and. For some reason, the first five books of the Torah and that whole idea—I would write these little dots down to remember of God's faithfulness, even in His law, Mm -hmm. even that we are free from the law. Now, no condemnation. There is now, therefore, no condemnation. And just kind of those reminders of that, um, even when we do fall to sin or um, neglect things or whatever the case may be, that um, His law stands. But Christ. Stands in the way of the wrath of that law. (laughs) And um, so I used to put five dots on everything. It was kind of a thing. I did as when I was a kid. I just put five dots on. If if I signed my name on something, there were five dots underneath. Um, And I remember on this particular uh, trip, there was like a, you know, we're on the river. What's it called when you go down the river? Float Uh, trip. Float trip. trip. It was a float trip. I don't know why I couldn't think of the name of it. So it was a float trip, and... I didn't have sandals. That was dumb because you're going to have to walk at some point because the river is just too shallow. (laughs) And uh, there were two parts to this uh, river. I think it was, uh, I can't remember which one it was, but there were uh, a fork came, and we had to take the left or the right side of this particular river. And um, the left one looked kind of rough, so we're like, yeah, let's let's go down the, the one that's a little calmer. Well, the one that was calmer went really calm. Almost so calm that you couldn't even float anymore. Mm -hmm. So I thought, man, I really wish I had some of these sandals, you know, uh, that I could just wear and have them. And so my feet didn't hurt. Stepping on all these sharp rocks. I was getting cuts on my feet. And a friend of mine who was sitting next to me uh, in the raft all of a sudden just says, here's some sandals. Just gave them to me. I'm like, where do they come from? He's like, I don't know. They're just floating down the river. Like out of nowhere, completely out of nowhere <laughs> it was so crazy, so I put them on, and on each of the uh sandals, there were five dots on the top of each of the on on each side of the foot, I guess on each top of the sandal and I thought, okay, that's just a little crazy um but in a funny way, the Lord does provide in every situation, even on the rockiest road in your life um he'll give you sandals <laughs> and allow you to walk on and to keep going in his name. And um I'll never forget that. You know, as long as I as long as I live.
1: Yeah. Cool.
2: Now, they were just floating down the river. Who knows where they came from, you know, just completely. Right. I mean, side by side, literally side by side. <laughs> I mean, together, right. he picked them up and handed them to me. You know, he had some. Yeah. And they were my size as well. Yeah. So and I remember I had them for a long time and then I I, they snapped off at some point. Oh I think my baby wants to be on the broadcast. Yeah, that's Margaret.
0: Um well you know, um here's a question before kinda wrapping up and stuff. Okay. But um you know in the Christian life you know there's things to overcome, kind of like I think of the um letters to the churches in revelations, you know he mm-hmm. who conquers or he who overcomes, and so on and so forth
2: Lampstands stands and all that yeah um, is there
0: anything that comes to your mind that you would you' are find just sharing about that in your life particularly there's like this um puzzle or this something that you're you know looking to God to overcome or you're um you know, just some kind of thing like that. Like Paul had a thorn, a thorn in the thorn flesh, inside. and but God's grace was sufficient. Right, and um, I think maybe for some of us, there's there's just this thing is particular to me, and it's just I'm trusting God with it, mm-hmm. and anything like that.
2: That very want much to so, very much so. So uh, for. Sever, for like two or three years, I would battled heavily with uh, anxiety and and uh, kind of de- a depressive state, hmm. and uh, it was a very dark time. Um, and I'm amazed by just what the Lord brought me through, and just the, the my mindset then and my mindset now. Um, and the reasons He brought me through that are pretty pretty interesting, too. It's amazing how many people uh, deal with anxiety on a regular basis and yeah. how it affects different people and why and how hmm. and all the little stories that go along with, I'm going to have a heart attack, I'm going to die, blah, 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 all this stuff, and how similar all the stories are, but the circumstances are different mm-hmm. um, or the reasons maybe that the anxiety is brought up is different, but the end result is the same. It's this constant fear of dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, the constant fear of death itself, leaving loved ones behind, leaving my family behind, leaving my wife behind, leaving my church behind, or whatever the case may be. And uh, weighing all of those things on your mind while you're having an anxiety attack is not, is uh, can be pretty harsh. So um, for about two years, hardcore battled with it, hmm. um, and would we'll just pray to the Lord to remove it, to uh, show me the reason for it. Um, but I think when it came down to it, I funneled it down to a, a, a fear of death itself. Mm-hmm. And just giving that to the Lord who has conquered death mm-hmm. um, was a very freeing thing. And it took a long time. It took a long time. I would say something's wrong, something's happening, something's... I don't know what it is. And Jennifer would turn to me and say, well, it is it is something. Um, I'll tell you what it is. And it's anxiety. <laughs> that's what it is. That's what you have. You have that. Uh, that's your issue. And um, so um, I was very fortunate to have Jennifer to help me through those times, many times, calling her and saying, I'm about to have it. I don't know what's going to happen. So... <laughs> Talk me off a ledge here. Um, but it's it's amazing how many people, um, Christian, non-Christian, how I've been able to open up and have discussions about it mm-hmm. uh, with non-believers too and have very deep conversations about anxiety and depression and, uh, and where it leads. Yeah.
0: So it sounds kind of like it's... Um Something biological going on that isn't connected to something else, but you said there is a connection, like you did have an anxiety about, uh, well, fear of death, and there was a connection between what was going on with you with that, then, huh?
2: There was a physical, there was a physical uh, side to it where I would feel like something was happening Um, heart attack, stroke, I don't know, one of these. crazy things you hear about all the time it seemed like for a little
1: while it was it was almost like a cycle like the the anxiety would cause him to have physical um symptoms oh yes um which would cause him more anxiety
2: yeah so it was the stress level Uh, was causing other things to happen and um you know just talking to my doctor about those things was helpful too to be able to talk through it um and him tell me exactly what my wife had been telling me all along. Anyway, that is anxiety. <laughs> it's anxiety. You have it. Congratulations, <laughs> you yeah. have it. Uh, and I think she's right. A lot of the stress level, um, it can't really point it to one thing. But anything that would stress me out, you know, uh, even leading worship, uh, it was a very tough time. Hmm. Every Sunday morning, getting up, and uh, I mean, I would, I would throw up, <laughs> and in stress. Uh, before coming to church, because uh, i I wanted to please the Lord so bad, I think, um, and didn't want to let anybody down as well. That um, I stopped kind of focusing on pleasing everyone and started just focusing on God and and responding to Him. There it is again. Um, yeah I think that was a it was a very important time in my life to do those things to come to go through that i still deal with it from time to time it it chirps up here and there but i i've uh i've i've come to a place now where I can control it a little bit better i can i can know okay i need to i need to peel back a little bit i'm doing too much or um it's too much in your schedule and so forth too much in the schedule too much whatever you know mm-hmm. um so last year was it last year Wiffleball? Yeah. So I started playing wiffleball on Friday nights in this little league mm-hmm. in DeSoto and that was just a um it helped me kind of decompress after a couple years of just anxiety and stress and this mm. constant fight or flight feeling, you know. And I think it's kind of a strange thing, but wiffle ball was a big help to me and uh to <laughs> play it. Uh, cause I enjoy it. It's something I enjoy.
1: Yeah. It's something you love. It's
2: something I do. I love baseball. I love stats. I love all that stuff. So <laughs> to be able to have wiffleball ball stats is like, you know, I used to have a league in my neighborhood when I was a kid. I, I ran it. I had a website for it. Every kid in the neighborhood had stats and very detailed. And, uh, I missed that. <laughs> been a long time since I'd done it. So to be able to do it for some guys down here in Jefferson County was, it was a lot of fun. So we're, but i think that that's that's the whole point you know in ministry that you do have to find times for rest and if you don't you're going to turn into a crazy stress anxiety mess <laughs> mm-hmm. and i think that was where i was headed you know big time um but yeah very thankful the lord took me through that you know through the trials to be able to to see um my need of him more hmm. uh to understand other people's need of him more Mm -hmm. Um, and to be able to talk to to people at work i i cannot believe how many people i work with in every genre of my work life whether it's motorcycles or radio or everybody deals with this Mm -hmm. and i thought i was like the only one Mm -hmm. well that was dumb because everybody deals with it <laughs> on some level. And I think if people say they don't, I think they're kidding themselves. Huh. I mean, it really does affect you at some point. Uh, so
0: you're not necessarily talking about like anxiety attacks. Well, yeah, but
2: I think stress in in, stress general, in general, general. I think stress in like general. general. Yeah. I think and some people might be having anxiety attacks and they don't know it too. Oh really? Because it it does Especially if they don't go to okay. the ER and they're not right. told you're having an anxiety attack, right. like I did <laughs> many times. Yeah, um, but I think everybody deals with the level of stress, and it just it gets overwhelming. And you need to find something that uh, you you love to do. Uh, to there's an entertainment level behind it. There's there's something that's beneficial for yourself too, and to not be so uh, you know, because I, I like, I, I don't want to be selfish with my time. I don't want to spend it all on me. Mm-hmm. But um, this past year, I think showed me that for myself, especially, and now I'm seeing it, the benefits to having Jennifer do something outside mm-hmm. of just being a mom and being home and mm-hmm. these things of trying to find something that she can get involved in too. It's um, that's good, you know. It's I think it's really beneficial to step away and yeah. Just do something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really, it really helps. Yeah.
0: So, um, what got us on this topic, Jennifer, is like, uh, you know, there's scripture sometimes refers to overcoming, or there's some kind of uh, puzzle or struggle sometimes we have in our life that's just particular to us. Uh, Paul spoke about thorn in the flesh. So, does anything Come to mind that you you want to talk about that? Um,
2: Besides your husband being your thorn. <laughs> yeah. Can head. you read the sign? Of the, your card that you gave me—that should be one of your sayings for that's, life.
1: That's my humor, my sarcastic humor. Yeah, you can go ahead. It's, you <laughs> know, only thousands of people you, will hear this. You can, you can, uh, you can read it to him. Oh,
2: I can read it to him. Okay, what does it say?
1: It says, "I love you more than you annoy me," and that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
2: that was a that's birthday just, card. That was Valentine's Valentine's. Day. Yeah, I, can't sure. yeah. I can't remember. That's bad. They can't remember that. But, but that's um, one of the sayings that uh, we should have introduced earlier. Yeah. <laughs> For <real life>.
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, anyway, any thorns?
1: Um I guess kind of on the health thing, um I I have lupus. So that was I was diagnosed when I was um had just turned nineteen, so I had just moved to a new country um was experiencing a little bit of culture shock and not living with my parents anymore and um, also weather shock i <laughs> never really experienced winter um,
2: Yeah, we had a really bad ice storm the first year she moved up yes i was so
1: they uh, our our power was power. out yeah they lost power for days um, all i had to it. warm me was yeah. blankets and a cat a little oh, scrawny. You
2: know, there was a kerosene heater, which is that it means was, it was really cold if they had to go get a kerosene my, heater my
1: yes, my brother was able to get a kerosene heater. I do remember that. Um <laughs> so we were huddled in the living room, but I you know, at nighttime it was blanket and little scrawny cat keeping me warm. Um and so I started displaying a lot of um health issues, a, a lot of joint pain, not not being able to hold a toothbrush, um uh Skin issues, hair loss, dizziness, fainting, um, a lot of headaches, blurry vision, uh, just all kinds of things. Um, And I kind of just, I'm really bad about, like, checking on myself. (laughs) Um, So I I didn't go to the doctor. I didn't tell anybody. Um, I guess at this point, we Stuart and I had started hanging out, and I remember he, he would, like forced me to use lotion on my hands because my hands were just cracking and bleeding and i just figured well this is all normal winter stuff you know these crazy americans deal with this all the time
2: (laughs) and i remember thinking no i don't remember anybody's (laughs) hands cracking like that that's some pretty extreme i remember putting polyosporin on your hands one time it was so it was so bad he was like
1: okay we're gonna do something about this so he put some stuff on there and um then i i went for Christmas. So I I moved here in August of 2006. So Christmas time, Christmas break, I went back home to visit my parents and spend Christmas with them. And I got off the plane and my mom was like, um, you look terrible. We're going to the doctor right now. So she, she says that a lot. She does not. (laughs) She wouldn't hear this. It's okay. So she, you know, got me an appointment and you know, I, I checked off all the boxes for, for lupus. Um, and I had my senior year I had had some some heart exams and because things were starting to show up um that weren't normal. So I remember
2: you told me a story about helping <coughs> remove shingles up doing a roofing job on yeah, a Yeah, we did a, a little missionary trip. Missionary trip, trip I was up on the Bolivia. roof
1: throwing shingles down and that night both of my elbows and my wrists were all just swollen I couldn't sleep with the pain and and I thought well I, I was out you know working so not a big deal. Um, and also just being in the sun is a, a lupus thing. Um, so anyway, try to make the story not too long, but, um, so I was diagnosed in Bolivia and then came back to the States, found a rheumatologist, was re-diagnosed. Um, and that, that whole experience, um, so when the, when the doctor said, Hey, you have lupus, I had never heard the word lupus. I had no idea what it was. Um, I was like, okay. Um, the only real um, emotional thing I had was, um, my mom ran out of the room crying, and I was left sitting there with the doctor, like, why? You know. Um, so she had had a cousin die with lupus, so her to her the experience was, my daughter's gonna die. Yeah, it was a death sentence. It was this a death sentence. Yeah. Um, so she. She, um, you know, thought I was going to die. She goes out, calls my dad, and he tries to calm her down, and comes to the to the hospital and stuff. Um, And the doctor explained it all to me. Like you have an autoimmune disease; it's controllable, you know. So, um, at being eighteen, thinking I'm starting my life, you know, I'm going to college, all these things. um, I just I really had to lean on the Lord. more than ever, I think, because, Thanks. well, I, I really didn't know what it was that I was going to face. Um, and I think the Lord has been really, really faithful. Um, I had a pretty dark diagnosis, I think. You know, I was told you shouldn't be having kids. You, you're you not really going to have a normal life. You shouldn't be out in the sun. So I'm thinking I'm going to be this recluse sitting in a dark room the rest of my life. And, and my... My life, I think, has, I see it as a miracle because I can go sit on the back deck in the sun and and not have really any repercussions. I have three beautiful children, um, you know, and and pregnancies were a struggle and things, but I I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, And I think being pregnant almost healed me. Um, They say, you know, it can cause flare-ups and make you a lot more sick, but... For some reason, the Lord saw fit to do the opposite with me, and um, and almost you heal my better. body.
2: You felt better during pregnancies than you did. Yeah, outside I, um, of
1: as there. far as the as far as the lupus went, yes. Um, and I I just talked to a new doctor about that and mentioned that, and he was like, "Well, that's crazy. That usually doesn't happen." And I said, "Well, it happened with me, you know." Um, so just clinging to the Lord through that time and and just leaning on Him. That it didn't matter what happened, you know, whether whether I got really sick and it got to my kidneys. And I died before I was 30. You know, I'm 33 now. I've, I've passed my, my uh, limit. But um, just saying, Lord, do what you will with my life because it's yours whether I give it to you or not. Um, and he's just over and over again been so faithful to me through my health struggles
0: so did um that experience help you to um like experience god more or f- to have like a, a closer connection with him or or anything like that or?
1: oh yeah definitely yeah. i think um i think just it made me i guess seek god for myself i you know everything in every aspect of my life was always you know, Christian parents. I went to a Christian missionary school. I went to church. I went to Bible studies. I went to everything was um, Christian, and and I was a believer at a young age. But it was um, like just studying things for myself and just leaning on God personally, and not just oh because my parents do, because we do it at school, um, but just again, just saying, God, my life truly is in your hands like you know as as young people we take that for granted of just oh i'm young i'm healthy i'm fit i'm i'm active physically i'm doing all these sports and going on hikes and then all of a sudden like bam that's almost taken from you it makes you really at 18 19 years old really think okay i maybe don't have the rest of my life maybe i won't live to be 95 um or maybe my life is gonna be difficult. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and so it was definitely a wake up call to just um, love people better, love um love the Lord better and just realizing that he he had me no matter what, you know. Um I think I definitely grew closer to him. Um because I, I don't remember ever being angry or saying, you know, why me? Because I, my initial reaction was, thank you, Lord, that it wasn't something worse. Hmm. There are so many people. I mean, I, you see young children with leukemia. You see, you know, like just horrible things that happen to, to young people or to older people. And just being, I always try to be thankful. You know, if I wake up and all my joints hurt and I'm like, I'm, I'm 33 and I feel like I'm 90. Hmm. Um in the morning and just being thankful that, hey, I'm getting up in the morning, you know, mm-hmm. um, I could not be getting up in the morning. Mm-hmm. So just appreciating the little things. Yeah. Well, thanks.
0: Um, well, I really appreciate your guys' time. I know it's not easy to sit here and talk when you're watching over your household as well. <laughs>
2: Dogs, cats, but, kids. Um, I appreciate
0: kids. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Going in and out whenever they want. Sir, just anything else, either if you want to bring up before we just wrap up?
2: No, I, you know, I appreciate you having us on the program, and uh, I do listen to the program, and I think you do a fine job. So <laughs> well, I wanted thanks. to give you some encouragement, too, because it's, it's been good, and it's a very interesting way to uh, chat with people, um, and I love having conversation. I love listening to stories and what people have to say uh and i i think it's a it's a beneficial thing to our community and even to uh people in our church for sure they can hear stories that they probably never would have heard otherwise uh from people that they may see or may not know so it's very good
1: cool thank you you're welcome yes, this was this was fun